Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to the Just the West podcast. I'm your host, Just the West, and I have my co-host. It's been a minute. It's Tee Up. Tee Up. Episode 112. Are you there? Oh, I am here, and I'm alive, and I'm feeling great. This show. How about you, Jason? I'm good, man. I've been having a busy week. Uh, as I'm sure some of y'all know, I just got back from Seattle. Uh, my boy, Camo, he's also been on the pod several times. Actually, he's one of the OG guys that started this pod. Um, but yeah, I went to visit him out in Seattle. It was my first time in Seattle. We did a live pod at his home. And uh, it was pretty cool, man. Uh, I don't know if I told you, but I actually had the chance to watch a Niners game in Seattle, a Niners bar in Seattle in which the Seahawks had their buy. And so, you know, as much as I'd like to have checked out a Seahawks bar, you know, second place, you know, I'll, I'll take a Niners bar in Seattle. It was pretty fun, man. All right, tell us about how, how was the bar? How was uh, how was the, I love Seattle, by the way. That's a great city. People are awesome. The beer is delicious. But what do you think of it, dude? Uh, it's it's pretty cool, man. So like, FYI, so I, I was able to watch the Cardinals Niners game, the one o'clock set. I watched it at Kells, which is it's an Irish bar. It's right across the street, not too far away from Pike's Place. Obviously, Pike's Place, the public market with all the. Um, you know, the seafood and, you know, the big tourist stuff. Checked out the first Starbucks and all that. But no, it was pretty cool, man. I, I linked up with the Seattle Faithful at Seattle Faithful in which, um, you know, they have a couple of bars for Niner games that are, not, not you know, Niner-centric. And it was good, man. Um, I think we had about 15 folks or so watch the game. Obviously, we'll talk about it in a bit, but that game had its share of highs and lows. And all in all, it was a pretty good experience, man. I'd, I'd definitely go to Seattle again. It has that vibe of, you know, this Northwest vibe. I've been to Portland before, my first time in Seattle. Uh, I'm based in Berkeley, and it kind of reminds me of Berkeley Hills. And, yeah, man, I I, I, I had a very positive experience in Seattle. Oh, man, that sounds good. Yeah, Seattle's a great city. Love that place. Uh, we need to catch a game down there sometime, Justin. Niners visiting Seattle. How does that sound? It's right there. No, that's goals, man. And especially, you know, just the way that this season has been going, you know, they do play in Week 17, the last game of the season. It's pretty dope, man. And I hope that this Seahawks-Niners rivalry in the NFC West can continue because whenever the Niners, the Rams, the Seahawks, whenever the NFC West is relevant like this on the West Coast, it is good for football. It, It truly is. And let's just talk about it. I mean, week 11 has now, you know, week 11 has now passed us. And we look at the board right now. You have the Niners at 9-2. and two. They played the Cardinals. Um, it was a, a very tough game. We'll talk about that in a bit. But they're first place at 9-2. and two. The Seahawks, they're, like I mentioned before, they were coming off a bye week. This past week was a bye for them. And so they're at 8-2. and two. Um, you have the Rams right now. They are, if I double check right now, because they were there for Sunday Night Football this past Sunday. Uh, they are. Let me get that real quick. I think they're six and four. Yep, they're six and four. They just had a tight 17-7 victory at LA against the Bears. Uh, they needed this win. They relied heavily on Todd Gurley, which is good to see. 
And then last but not least, you know, the Cardinals, they've dropped four straights. They're 3-7-1. and one. But I've always mentioned this. I mean, this isn't, isn't a, a year for them to necessarily win. It's more so of a year of development. And I've seen plenty of good things from Kyler Murray. And Kyler Murray, while he only had like 180 passing yards against the Niners, he had eight carries for 68 yards and, and a touchdown. And, you know, they were up 16-0 on the road against the Niners they put out a really tough game for them and so all in all I mean this NFC West as a whole it's it's a tough it's a tough division I think that most of these teams you know whether it's the NFC or the AFC for the schedule they, they are tough outs and you can make a case even for the Cardinals next year if they get a full offseason to draft and get their players upright they're going to be a tough out next year Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, some of the big things that I got for this game is Arizona and Chris Kingsbury definitely they they made some adjustments that definitely went against you know it, it better Arizona as it showed in the play. It went up sixteen zero early in the game. Uh, Kyler Murray was beating the Niners. Uh, Kevin Drake continued to just like able to find his gaps and. And the trade that man was decent. And I'm not going to lie, you know, it was, was tough way on the court of the field. It was tough way on the touchdown that put him up 16 0. I was like, oh crap, dude, like, this is all bad. But we knew how Shannon and his integrated and played behind the. Lift them up in the second, uh, in the second half, and you know, it was just a big, big game. It really, it really got the crowd into it. It really got the team. It kind of like it put that second win into the season, and that 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 punch that they were looking for. And and we definitely came back in the second half to to you know put a stamp on the game. So I mean, you look at the score too. So this was the Sunday night, or not the Sunday night. It was the Sunday afternoon. One o'clock game slate. Niners won thirty-six to twenty-six. Um, let me ask you this, T. Up. I mean, you know, the Niners took a commanding sixteen-zero lead. Jimmy came back. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo. He had four touchdowns, two boneheaded interceptions. He passed for over four hundred yards. This hasn't been done by any Niners quarterback since ninety-three. Steve Young. Joe Montana. Those are the only quarterbacks in Niners franchise history that had done that. But, you know, they were down 0-16. They got the win. But what I've noticed on Twitter, too, is, you know, despite those accolades, despite having those those feats coming, the run game wasn't really working. But everyone's been really critical of Jimmy because of those tune bone-headed interceptions in the red zone. I mean, is Jimmy a stud? Is he a dud? What's it to you? I really don't know what to make of those interceptions, and it just seems he's, I don't know, when I was looking more into it, looking at the, the video, it just seems that maybe he's anticipating, in his head he sees the play, and in his head he sees where the, the wide receiver should be, but he makes the throw before checking the spot, I guess. He's, he's over-anticipating. I don't know if that's the correct point to use, but he's instinctively 
making the read, not making and not doing the double check, and by the time he throws it, it's too late and it's directly to to a receiver. Or I'm sorry, to a defender. And that's what it appeared like in most definitely to the first one. I think it was Hicks, the linebacker, and the second one, it was just uh, inexplicable. He was he was under pressure, under duress, and he made the throw. But I, that's yeah, I don't know. He definitely needs to correct that. He can't do that in the playoffs because each play is too valuable in the playoffs. If you know, if we get into the pre uh, postseason, which it looks like we are, that's something that needs to get cleaned up. But I mean, hell, man, he put up four hundred yards. Okay, but having said that, I know that this is probably, you know, statistically, this is probably, you know, one of his best games, if not the best. Four touchdowns, four interceptions, but let's talk about those two interceptions. Um... I mean, every week, and this is a case where you know I, I would, you know, I agree with how well he played this game, but at the same time too, I I, I hear the Niner faithful, and I, this is something I want to address with you, Tia. You know, some people will say like he never learns. You know, he, he keeps on making these boneheaded moves. And to your point, I mean, you know, come playoff time, I don't know if you're gonna get. This many second chances given. I know that the Niners defense has been very solid all year, but you know this Cardinals secondary. He balled out Thursday night football. He balled out to tonight uh, against the Cardinals, but at the same time, too, the Cardinals are a bottom tier defense in regards to their secondary. You know, you have the Ravens, you have the Packers, you have the Saints. Uh, shoot, even you know if you go forward towards the playoffs, they might play the Eagles, they might play the Cowboys, uh, they might play some really tough teams uh, in the playoffs, and rightfully so. What's it to you in regards to Jimmy and his mistakes? I mean, is this something that we just have to swallow and take stride for stride because that's the type of quarterback he is, or do you think that you know this is just a part of his development? I mean. I know that some of the player comps, actually, ironically, Jimmy G is from Eastern Illinois, and a player comp that I've heard time and time again has been the great Tony Romo from the Dallas Cowboys, another gunslinger, uh, another prolific scorer in regards to airing out the ball. But you know, he's made his—I mean, he's made his share of interceptions and mishaps too. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously they're mistakes and there's something that needs to be corrected. I think they're all learning points that Jimmy needs to capitalize on. He needs to see it in the film room and, and he needs to be accountable of his mistakes and his quarterback coaches should, you know, coach him and teach him the right way. And these are all mistakes that you all learn. You know, we're all students and as a student, you know, you have to make mistakes in order to correct them, right? And the way that I see it, looking big picture, Jimmy is, he only has started 20 games in his entire career in the NFL. 20. That's only three more. That's a regular season plus three games, okay? All, if you want to look at all these elite quarterbacks, you know, they, they probably didn't get started until well into the second or third season as, as a starting quarterback. So 
putting that in perspective, I choose to look at it that way. He only has 20 starts. He's 7 17 and 3 out of the starter. You know, he's going to have his going pace. And yeah, you know, that loss column, is, it, it may. It may be added, you know, there may be more losses added to that. But that's all part of the road to, you have to make mistakes in order in order to learn from them. And we're seeing it firsthand. But I just hope the good outweighs the bad as he continues um, in this, you know, really historic beginning for the organization. Okay, right on. So, I mean, in your eyes, glass half full versus glass half empty then, right? Yes. Okay. Definitely, he has a high ceiling at this point, and everyone's gonna trip every now and then, and that's what he's doing. So, just be patient, faithful. We got this. We got this. Got this, man. You we, just go. We got this. We got Look this. Look what he did in the last minute. Two minute drill. He drove us down the field. Even though it looked like the game was lost when he threw that interception, which went off Dolly's hands. Yes, you could. You could point the finger at Dolly for you have to catch it if it hits the chance but then again you know Jimmy did throw the pass behind him so yeah it's kind of it's on him too but the defense they got the ball right back and Jimmy he did his thing and he made the right read just amazing it was a great signature final drive win for Jimmy Garoppolo so conversely Another thing that, you know, I won't say cause for concern with this Niners team, but this Niners defense, uh, though the last three weeks, you know, obviously they played the Cardinals this week. Monday night, they played the Seahawks. And the week before, they played the Cardinals. But, you know, going into those three games, I mean, it looked like this Niners defense was elite. And I'm not saying it's not at this point, but, you know, they... They pressured the quarterback very well. Nick Bosa, through this point, he had eight, eight and a half sacks. But it seems like against mobile quarterbacks, you know, notably your Kyler Murray's, your your Russell Wilson's of the world, down the schedule, they're going to play a mobile Lamar Jackson. They're going to play maybe down the road Dak Prescott. They might play, you know, well, they are playing Aaron Rodgers, who's pretty nimble himself in his own right. But um, do you think that teams with mobile quarterbacks notably, do you think they found a game plan to kind of gauge the Niners' defense? Because, you know, uh, while they do do get that sort of pressure, it's different, though. You saw Kyler Murray, like, there's a reason why they were up 16-0 to to start the game in the first half. Uh, This Niners' defense is good, but, I mean, they were were got several times on the defense. So, I mean, what's your take with that? Keep in mind, Quan Alexander, he was out. He's out for the rest of the season. Richard Sherman, he drew three defensive passing interference calls in the first half. It wasn't the prettiest game for this defense. Let's just say that. Yeah, it, 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 you know, Sherman, I want to start it off actually by, you know, Kyler Murray, he looks, he is, he has such a high ceiling. He's going to be, he's such a great addition to, uh, Arizona and Cliff Kingsbury. It looks like, you know, his coach. It, it looks like they're meshing, and they got a lot of youth. And Arizona, they're definitely going to be a force reckoned with. At, uh, you know, next season for sure. I mean, if you put Arizona in any other division, if you put them in the AFC East with the Patriots, they, they would compete. They would be 
firmly second place. Like they're just a tough division. out, right? They're last place, but they're a tough out. No, dude, they're. If, look at the division. You know, Arizona the division is just such a hard division. And if you put that in any other in any other AFC division, like they would, yeah, they would definitely be a tough out every single week, and he would give teams AFC teams a run for the money. Sorry, but that's just that's just how I see it. Kyler Murray. He has the arm. Even though he's short, he's able to throw what throw over his uh, offensive line. He makes the passes. He has the confidence. He has the legs. Like he, he did a fantastic job. And the way that he's also able to make the read, they're running the RPO pretty firmly, and that was that was getting to the to the Niners D line. That pass rush wasn't able to get to him for those type of reasons. Kyler Murray was able to make the the correct read. Off, off the snap. Yeah, I mean, he had that 22-yard r- touchdown run off that RPO. It was beautiful. You did that in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was good. Yep. It was good. So, has Seattle and Arizona figured out the wide nine Robert Sala defense? Yeah. Maybe. 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 Um, but I guess this is the whole part of football is is your able is your team and your coaches able to adapt to your opponents and change up your game plan to be done to be unidentifiable when you when you play them and you out you outplay them. All right. That's, that's where the elite teams are 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 defined. I will say this though, I mean for this Niners team as a whole as we go into the second half of the season you saw, like, for the first quarter of the season, they were run-heavy. They were defensive-centric. They forced turnovers. Uh, the last three games, you know, they've been trying to do this all season, but you're seeing this the last three games especially. But teams' defenses, they're selling out the run. They're putting, you know, they're putting this on Jimmy G to, to make a play. Didn't work out against Seattle. You saw it against the Cardinals. I'll be intrigued to see, you know, what type of Jimmy we get week in and week out because, I mean... It's kind of scary, actually. You see, you see the good Jimmy. You see the bad Jimmy. Um, which Jimmy is it? Because you see a lot of boneheaded plays by him. But here's the thing, too: they haven't been running the ball well the last three weeks. I think they've been averaging 2.4 yards per carry versus their typical 4.4, which was second in the league. Um, I know that injuries have hampered their offensive uh, efficiency as well. Joe Staley's out. Kyle Juszczyk just got back. Mike McKinsey just got back. Um, but at the same time, too, I mean, George Kittle is out as well. It's just, uh, I don't know. Uh, what kind of bothers me about the Niners' offense is you really haven't seen them at 100%. Um, but they've been, been getting... It's been a while. It's been a while, man. It's just... And, you know, for, for those that don't like Jimmy G, I can understand where people say, well... So and so was hurt. Well, so and so is this. You know, if I was on the other side of the coin, because I am a Jimmy G supporter, but if I was on the other side of the coin, I would say, well, that's a lot of fucking ex- excuses for a nine and one team uh, to be very overprotective on their quarterback. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So. Yep. Yeah. People, pump the brakes, y'all. We're nine and one. Let's enjoy it. Yeah, man. Conversely, I know we've been talking a lot of Niners, but let's talk about some of the things that happened for the Cardinals. I mean, so they got up to a 16-point lead 
no coincidence. It was because of Kyler Murray. It's because of that RPO. It was because of you know what they did early uh, defensively. They they stopped the run. They put it on Jimmy. Worked first because I think through the first quarter, quarter and a half, the Niners only had ten total offensive yards. The formula was working, but then it wasn't. Like they they were up sixteen points. You're up sixteen points and you lose. 36 to 26. I mean, what the fuck happened to the Cardinals? Uh, that final score, maybe you could erase some from that because that was kind of a bogus last touchdown, but whatever. Yeah, um, that's some Vegas shit right there that was kind of crazy. I would say, you know, there was a lot of flags that went the Niners' way, I would say, that went against the Cardinals. There was a lot of penalties in the second half. Um, there was, uh, I remember... It was two neutral zone infractions in a row that resulted in the automatic first down. Yeah. Um, that kind of that that killed that momentum. There was a uh, you know there was a lot of flags. This this was not a clean game whatsoever by either side of the ball. But you could argue, you know, a lot, the flags they kill momentum. They clear, they they kill the you know the sequence of plays that the coaches have drawn up. All those factors I think play into the the outcome of this game but overall I think the, the experience the overall talent and the coaching prevailed in this game and you know I'm happy it went our way but Arizona fans out there you know be hopeful because you have you have bright good quarterback you have a fresh system and you know obviously there's I think there's some improvements that could be done on on the Cardinals. Patrick Peterson, he's not looking himself, man. What, what happened to that guy? Yeah, uh, oh, this is where I'm trying to get it to you. I mean, moral victories are cool and all, but they were up 16-0, and I don't know if you, you really saw some of the plays in particular, but there was a... They drew a passing interference call, this bullshit passing interference call where um, I, be- I believe it was Ross Dwelly or it was a receiver. Was, no, I think it was Kyle Juszczyk. Anywho, uh, Kyle Juszczyk, I'm going to just use him as the placeholder, but he mauls the, the secondary um, cornerback, their safety, and he gets the defensive passing interference call. That was kind of bullshit. Um, I also feel that, you know, they were just... I'm just kind of frustrated with this Cardinals defense because for the nth week in a row, I don't know if they got a, a page out of the film work, but... You know, they can't defend tight ends for shit. You had Russ Dwelly, you know, a walk-on, undrafted nobody player, replace George Kittle. He gets two touchdowns, two career touchdowns, first for him. He gets that in the red zone. I mean, for Christ's sake, can't you defend a tight end? Uh, and then conversely, I don't know. You know, I just don't uh, The last drive where... The Niners were driving to try to get in field goal range. There were 30 seconds left. And, you know, it's another bullshit call where Ross Dwelly, for whatever reason, they, they deem him to get the first down. I thought it was short. It should have been fourth and one, but it was first and, first and ten. And then they do an all-out blitz with 30 seconds left. I mean, for, for Christ's sake, the Cardinals cannot afford to, to gamble so much. I mean, maybe they're trying to go for glory, but it's an all-out blitz. Jimmy G recognizes it and he dumps it off to Jeff Wilson for the 25 yard scamper for the win I mean it was just you know for the Niners to do that to be down 
16-0 for them to go back and win that game. That's pretty tough for any defense, but especially for the Cardinals because they because they had them. They had them. Mm-hmm. I just yeah. Um, they just do the same sh- yeah, the same shit though, you know. Yeah. The Arizona no I'm not just this game. You know, they just got outmatched in the second half, and the experience just showed through. Our pass rush was phenomenal. D four, he stepped up. He's been having kind of a. It's weird. He has like seven sacks, I believe, but it, you know his he's not being recognized. You know, you don't hear his name being called a lot. Yeah, man. Well, he left the game. He had a sack on Murray. And from what the reports are saying right now, it was a hamstring injury. He had knee. He had some knee stuff prior, like all season. So from what I understand, he might miss this upcoming game against the Packers. Um, another random thought, too. David Johnson, their running back, he only had nine snaps this game. And they asked, they asked Cliff Kingsbury thereafter, like, hey, what's the deal with David Johnson? They said, you know what? We were rolling with the hot hand. We wanted to give the sort of rhythm for Kenyon Drake. Uh, but David Johnson, it's not looking too good for him. He only had nine snaps. They lose this game and makes it even more kind of a question mark. But what's your take on that? Yeah, that's really strange. I, I really don't know what's going on. It sounds like David Johnson is, you know, kind of in his last leg with, with Arizona. Kenyon Drake seems to have taken over the role and doesn't look like he'll be giving it back anytime soon. So, yeah, I don't know. Why? I mean, Arizona, they're, 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 no, they're kind of in a... They're not a position to... I don't know. I don't want to say win-win situation, but it's like, why... They're, they're not inclined to play David Johnson. Like, what's their... What, what, would, what would tell... Very like we need to play him. I mean, I don't, I don't see it. Okay, okay. Well, that's all I really have to say about this game. I mean, it was a game where, you know, while I was watching the game, I was a bit down because I obviously, you know, I wanted the Niners to win, but they were down zero to sixteen. They came back. It was a fun game. It was a fun ending. But at the same time, as a Cardinals fan, that's got to be pretty frustrating because you know you can only have so many moral victories and dropping four straight. It's not good. It's not good. Any other thoughts about this game, mm-hmm. T-Up? Chase McLaughlin, what's up? Keep doing your thing. Undrafted <laughs> kicker. Robbie Gold still hurts. I see you, boy. I see you. Okay. So the other game that to kind of talk about as well was Bears-Rams Sunday Night Football. It was at L.A. It was kind of weird, too, because right before kickoff they kind of announced that Robert Woods is inactive he was a late scratch because of personal reasons and from what I understand you know they haven't really disclosed what it is but the game ball went his way apparently he's going through some shit right now so I'm gonna send him good vibes coming from the Just the West podcast overall this was a old school game in which the Rams had to win this they were five and four they could not afford to go Five and five, five hundred, especially in the NFC West with the Niners and Cardinals and Seahawks. Uh, Niners, <clears throat> Niners, Cardinals, Seahawks—just too much within that division, and so they went old school. Um, Todd Gurley, season high, twenty-five carries for ninety-seven yards, a touchdown. 
Tiger Early also three catches for 36 yards. Uh, a game where Robert Woods was out. Brandon Cooks was out with a, a concussion that he's been dealing with. So all he had was Cooper Cup and Joshua Reynolds. Uh, Cooper Cup, three catches for 53 yards. He had a beautiful 50-yard bomb by Jared Goff. Um, but all in all, I mean, it was a game where they kind of went back to basics against a really strong Bears front seven. But I'll give the Rams, uh, especially the rookies, a lot of credit because uh, it was, from what I understand, just looking at it, a very shuffled offensive line because the week before, Brian Allen, their center, went on IR. Their right tackle, Robert Havenstein, is out a couple weeks. And so they had to shuffle it up. They put Austin Blythe at center. They put Bobby Evans um, at tackle. They put David Edwards at guard. And you know what? It worked out just fine. It was probably the first time all season where I saw you know, a pretty positive push from their offensive line. And so they went 17-7. It wasn't pretty. But against the Bears, against Mitch Trubisky, and they've had their share of struggles offensively. Pretty much being up 10 points against the Bears is like being up 20 because their offense wasn't really that great. He got the job done. 17-7. They're up 6-4 now in the record, in the division. So let's say you about this game, Tee Up. Yeah, I was watching the game uh, with one of my buddies who's pretty hardcore day one Rams fan. Um, game started really slow. It was... That's what I'm saying, man. It was just... Bleh. <laughs> it was super slow. Jared Goff, he couldn't make completions. He would be ran out of the pocket and he just makes some errand throws. He did... The first play of the game was the girly fumble. Like, literally the first play of the game. He just got that ball just ripped from his arms. Um, sometimes in that game, too, Jared Goff, he threw an ugly interception. I believe it was in the first quarter as well. Yeah. Maybe the second quarter. But it was just weird. I mean, Jerry Goff, he looked real shaky in the pocket. He didn't, you know, he did have that nice pitch over to Austin, uh, I'm sorry, Cooper Cut. That was nice. A little 50 yard uh, run. But I don't know. This is definitely, it's a different Rams team. And it's not something that we're used to because we're just used to, like, their high-powered Sean McVay offense. And this year we're getting kind of like a flat, you know, one of those, like, Coca-Cola bottles that you leave on for a day or two and then you take a sip and it's just, like, syrup water. That's that's kind of the vibe that I'm getting from the Rams offense nowadays. That's quite the analogy, t up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know... Uh... It was a meat and potatoes, old school type of game. It was interesting, too, because you have Aaron Donald on the Rams. You have Mack on the Bears. Uh, Aaron Donald, he had two sacks. Uh, this defense got the job done. Mr. Trubisky, he got, well, he, they say he got hurt, but in my mind, you know, they, they kind of benched him for Chase Daniel. Uh, it was, I don't know, man. It, it wasn't a pretty game to watch in Sunday Night Football. Uh, it was kind of like the lesser of two evils between Jared Goff and Mitch Trubisky. It was definitely the lesser of two evils. It was, I don't know, man. Um, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's terrible, man. Like, they showed a, I, think, I can't believe NBC, they have the nerve to show this graphic where 
they put up uh, Pat Mahomes, Deshaun Jackson, and in the middle, Mitch, Mitch, Mr. Ritzy, and they, like, did, like, a three-way comparison of the stats. Like, it's just, like, that was, like, a total slap in the face for Chicago Bears fans. Like, <laughs> we traded them into the number two pick to get Trubisky off of Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. And, yeah, man. I mean, I know this I is know. A, it's an NFC West pod, but, you know, for those that do like the Bears, um, I mean, how do you guys feel? Do you come to a point where you just cut your losses and admit that, you know, Mr. Trubisky probably isn't the long-term answer, Ryan Pace, their general manager, or, I don't know, he's he's only, uh, what, 22, 20, 23 years old? Do you, do you keep the course with him? I mean, what, what's he about this CF? He's just, he's young. He's super young, but yeah, it? he's young. Um, he did have you know, his his wide receivers are kind of whatever. They traded Jordan Jordan Howard, um, Vic Fangio. You know, oh wait, no, Vic Fangio. I'm he's sorry. on the Broncos now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all good. Uh, Matt Nagy. Yep. Oh no, that's yeah. it's just a weird team. Like they. It's just like false hope for the fan base, I feel. Okay. But, <laughs> you know, they'll have like, oh my God, Mr. Bisky, the God. And then the next game is like, dude, this guy is freaking horrible. Like, how are you playing? All right. Yeah. Whatever. Rams. Yeah, I'm going to say this, though. Ever since the Rams lost um, Marcus Peters and Akeem Khalid, they haven't been the same. I mean, their defense has been. It's been decent. Um, I'm not really too critical about their defense as I am with their offense right now. Their defense did. Mm-hmm. I mean, they only they only held seven seven points to the Bears. Not too bad. It's just you know, moving forward, do they have enough? Because they need to. I mean, they need to do their thing in the second half if they have any chance of taking the wild card and getting into the playoffs in mm-hmm. the NFC. You know, mm-hmm. so it's just yeah, it's an uphill battle. Yeah. It's good. I mean. It's going to be tough for, for Rams to compete for that wild card because Seattle, they're just, Seattle and Niners are just commanding the division. And then if you look at the other teams, they have, you know, it, it's going to be Green Bay or Minnesota coming out of the North. And then the second, whoever's in second place is going to be competing. Um, you got the Eagles to compete with, Eagles and Dallas. Uh, there's some strong teams coming out of the NFC. It's, it's hard to see a place for, for the Rams to. Again, but anything can happen. Anything can happen, exactly. So let's go ahead. Right now, we're, well, we're pretty much wrapping up with the pod. There were only two games in the NFC West this past week for Week 11. Obviously, the, the Cardinals and the Niners, 36-26. to And then the Rams and Bears, 17-7. to The Seahawks were on a bye week. And so we go into Week 12. And Week 12 should be an interesting one, too, because, once again, you get an NFC West game in primetime on Sunday Night Football. And you get a ooh, you get a Monday Night Football game uh, with the NFC West's primetime football. So let's go ahead and do kind of like the guess the line ordeal, tee up with what we have for, for Week 12. Uh, so the first game that we have, it's the Seahawks. They come off their bye. They're well-rested. And it kind of sucks for them, man, because initially they're... <laughs> They were the ones that were supposed to have the uh, Sunday Night Football game. Did you know that, T-Up? Yeah, and they got uh, flexed out, but 
Yeah. Rightfully so. So, Seahawks at Eagles. The Eagles just got, I won't say they got embarrassed, but they had a lot of woulda, coulda, shoulda's against the Patriots. They're hosting the Seahawks. You know, this is an East Coast 10 a.m. game for the Seahawks. It's tough. The Eagles are certainly, you know, they're reeling in their own right, but it's still an East Coast 10 a.m. game. Seahawks are well-rested. They're coming off a resounding win Monday Night Football against the Niners. They're at 8-2 and two right now. What do you think the line is for this tee-up as of now? Oh, man. This one in Philly. No, I don't know if there's going to be snow. Did they say there's going to be snow? It's going to be cold for sure. I got it. Mm, it is going to be 48 degrees. Okay. Well, that's kind of Seattle. That's on par with Seattle weather. Okay. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Hmm. Just you know, just Seattle, for just Seattle minus three. Seattle minus three. Okay, so this is an interesting one. Despite the Eagles losing, the Eagles are favored by one and a half. Over, oh. over under forty nine. So just the tip. They're favored by one and a half. Higher scoring game over under forty nine. Uh, I, I, I'm saying that the, Eagle, the Seahawks are better, but not by a full. They're basically saying they're better on the road. They're better on the road. Just the Eagles really need to win this game. It could be a trap game for the Seahawks because of the extremities that I just mentioned. East Coast, cold as fuck, 10 a.m. Kind of trappy because the Eagles really need a win. Like you know, they they seriously do. They're you know they're competing with the Cowboys right now. They're five and five, like they're right mm. at the five hundred mark. They need to get shit done in the second half. Seahawks, they're eight and two. Sure. I could see that. I could see this being a tougher game, especially because it's going to be you know it's going to be at Philly. But I don't know, man. That, that's a good game to to really focus on. Okay, so the Arizona Cardinals. They're on a bye week. They've dropped four straight games. Probably a good time as any to take a bye week and get your shit together. So rest up, Cardinals. You're going to need it in the second half. So let's go ahead and fast forward to the game that did get flexed inwards for Sunday Night Football. Tee up. What's the matchup on Sunday Night Football? Seahawks got flexed out. Who got flexed in? It's called Green Bay at Levi Stadium, baby. Ooh, man. That is, um, you know, the funny thing about that was this happens like the very next day after the Seahawks beat the Niners 28-24. to A resounding win on Monday Night Football where he drew the most views on Monday Night Football the entire season. I believe 16 million viewers watched that game. And with that victory in hand, they gave the Niners the primetime game hosting the Packers. That is just... Um, Seahawks fans weren't happy. Let's just say that. I, I checked out the forums. They weren't too happy about this decision by the NFL. I love it. I mean, <laughs> they know where the ratings are, and Green Bay has a solid fan base, and you know the Niners faithful are going to come up strong. So, And they show it in the ratings, and it's... This... You know, we're, this is a uh, oh man. 
This is another playoff type of vibe, too, because Seahawks Niners on Monday night. Uh, now you get this for Sunday night. So the Packers are 8-2, first in the NFC North. Niners are 9-1, first in the NFC West. Aaron Rodgers versus Jimmy Garoppolo. I can e- I can see why this was flexed in words. It's, it's a pretty good matchup, man. No doubt. So guess the line for this, because, I mean, DVOA for defense for the Packers, it's 16th. It's pretty similar to the Seahawks in terms of DVOA, like across the board for both defense and offense. Guess the line, man. Okay. Packers at Niners, so, Sunday night football. I'm going to go, let's go Niners minus. I'm going to put it right in the Vegas zone. Niners minus four. Okay. So pretty much they view Vegas, at least at the moment, views them uh, pretty even. Because the Niners are favored by three points over under 46. Okay. Bring it on. Let's do it, Chiefheads. That should be very interesting. I, um, you know, if the Packers, because the Packers have a very good front seven, their, their edge guys, the Smiths, have been very good all season. And so if you put this on Jimmy G once again for the fourth week in a row, will he be ready? Is George Kittle going to be ready? He's going to be healthy. We'll find out on Sunday Night Football. Mm-hmm. Lastly, Monday Night Football, the Rams get back-to-back weeks of primetime spotlight. And so, once again, pretty nice for them off their bye week. You know, you get one primetime game against the, the Bears and another one where they host the Baltimore Ravens. The Baltimore Ravens with Lamar Jackson, former Rams, Marcus Peters, and they have been killing the league right now. They are the only team that beat the Patriots a couple weeks ago. The Ravens are first place at eight and two. The Rams are six and four. But the Rams, at the, up to this point, they need to win every fucking game. They need to win every fucking game if they have any chances of making the playoffs and getting the wild card in the MC. So right now, the Rams are hosting the Ravens. What's your initial thoughts about this matchup? And guess the line for me, Tio. Initial thought is Lamar Jackson is he's just having a just a crazy season. That whole team from Mark Ingram, Lamar Jackson, to his wide receivers, even his his tight end. I mean, they have they're having a fantastic year. And even you know they're playing the Rams. I know by knowing living here in LA, there is a large Ravens fan base. I expect it to be. Is there really? You know, is there there's a Ravens fan base in LA? Oh, there definitely is. Yeah, for sure. You know, the Ray Lewis, 12 Thugs, Days, Ed Reed. There's definitely a, a large rating fan based dog here. I had no idea. Well, I learned something there every day. Yeah, it's L.A. L.A. is confused right now. They don't know what they want. But <laughs> okay. anyways, I'm going to guess a line. I'm going to go Ravens minus three and a half. Dude. Bullseye. Ravens are favored by three and a half over under 46 and a half. Oh, look at that. Give me the dub. Man. Dude, T, I'm impressed. Actually, all your lines thus far have been pretty fucking close, man. Because you get put the Niners at four, and then you put the 
well, you put the Seahawks being favored by three, but you've been pretty on point this week. I'm, I'm impressed. So the Ravens are favored by three and a half, 46 and a half. That should be a really interesting game, too. It's going to be another game where you're kind of curious to see the workload with Todd Gurley. He's coming off 28 touches last game. Are they going to give him another similar load this week? What's up with Jared Goff? I heard that Brandon Cooks is supposed to be back off his concussion. So what are we going to see from this offense? Is this, is this offensive line going to continue to gel with uh, Evans and Edwards at the guard and tackle spots? Interesting game. Interesting game in Monday night. So, all right, up. Well, that's all I have for Week 11 recap going into Week 12. Once again, Niners are 9-1. Nine and one. Seahawks eight and two, Rams six and four, Cardinals three seven and one. Let's go, baby! Week twelve, we out here. For those that continue to check out the pod, continue to do so. Whether it's on iTunes, Spotify, Instagram at Just the West, Twitter at Just the West, and of course the blog www.justthewest.com. Tia, appreciate your time. We out here. Peace. Hey!